Druden here along with Chris Raybold. What's going on, everybody? We are up to episode 16. Wow. Amazing. Uh, I can't wait. Uh, just like in the last video we talked about, we're going to get to episode 229 before we go back to work. Um, we'll probably be, I don't know, what are we going to be talking about? Like what we had for dinner or something rather than... Yeah. And I don't audio. know. Bus code. <laughs> bus code. What bus codes do you still have stored in the notes section of your phone? Something like that. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Five, uh, some shit yeah. like that. If I ever lost the notes section of my phone, I'd be screwed. I would have to. I would do it. Would be big problems. Yeah, not good. Um, anyway, uh, cool. On this episode, um, I thought that. You know, there's a lot of people out there right now, churches included, uh, that are streaming audio and uh, trying to figure out. There's a lot of front of house guys trying to figure out um, how to make a good broadcast mix um, because basically they're not mixing for a house anymore. Their front of house guys are turning into um, broadcast guys, um, certainly with churches. And I have a feeling um, that those are going to be kind of our first jobs uh, back into this is uh, I think that probably there's going to be a lot of bands um, that are going to do kind of remote broadcast things before they're allowed to have people there. So um, I thought that we might talk a little bit about um, broadcast and how we handle that and what is kind of the thought processes behind um, what you would do in order to create a broadcast mix. Um, I know that um, you, like me, I, I spent years with Linkin Park um, showing up to festivals where they wanted a full split uh, and that was not the deal that they made. Uh, what we would give them would be a left and a right and uh, maybe if they're lucky, we'd give them some stems um, and uh, and then some audience mics. Um, uh, and so I had to spend a bunch of time on making sure that my broadcast stem that I was sending to somebody um, was up to par to to doing all that. So anyway, enough, enough of my yakking. Um, tell us a little bit about how you, your thought process is behind a broadcast mix or stem. Sure. Uh, th I love this one. This is, this is right up my alley. Um, particularly for what I've been doing for the past four or five years, uh, with, with Bruno. Um, you know, my philosophy is again, and we're talking about tours like that you and I do that have a lot of pre-production that have a lot of rehearsal time. I don't want to have to remix the show three different times. I don't want right. to, you know what I mean? I want to, I really want to come up with a mix and that mix translates from rehearsals on cans and near fields and people checking mixes, maybe in their cars, maybe just on their phone, maybe on their computer to, uh, uh, production rehearsals where maybe you've got like a smaller mock-up of the PA to full rehearsals where you've got the giant rig to the show. Like I really, if I can, that is, that is my goal is to where it's not good. It's really not going to change. And, um, the one area typically that it will, and I'm sure we'll get into greater detail here is, you know, it's with the vocal a lot of times for, uh, for a broadcast mix, I do want, we mentioned in the last video where we were got briefly into kind of fee, eliminating feedback and ways to make sure your vocal does is, is safe in a live environment. When feedback is not so much a problem, uh, I, I will be more inclined to stomp on the vocal a little harder. You know yep, what I mean? Me too. What, right. And so what is still a problem though, is the noise floor coming up. So you don't completely run out of uh, problems with over compressing a, a vocal, potentially over compressing a vocal live. But, um, but, but quickly to answer the question, my feeling is I want to create a mix from the jump that translates in every possible way that it can. 
Um, and however I can best realistically accomplish that, that is my goal. And it's such a strong belief that I have now, and it's been made even stronger because of the stuff I have to do with Bruno Mars, where we carry our own, where we carry our own rig into award shows, everything, but basically, but like the Grammys, I mean, everything else. And that's not at my urging. That's at the client's request. He wants that mix everywhere. So it's really drilled into me. So even if I'm with someone who maybe doesn't do as much broadcasts, specific shows or this or that, it's part of my workflow now to create this mix that is going to translate in all areas. And honestly, because it's just a safer, it's a safe way to operate because you know that should your mix make it to some other platform that someone that matters is listening on, that it's going to translate. So that's, that's, that's a, a quick theory on how I, I know, on how I view it is I feel like my mix should be able to translate on a laptop as well as it can on 200 speakers in a stadium. Uh, you know, prior to line arrays, let's say prior to, you know, um, I would actually take a bunch of time making sure that, uh, the broadcast mix sounded like a broadcast thing. And then my front house mix sounded like a front house thing. And that was a lot of the reason that was, was because of the speaker technology was not that great then. So I was doing compromises in my mix in order to get things to pop out like vocals and, you know, those kind of things. And so if you listen to my board mixes to prior line arrays, I think you would hear more along the lines of what people describe as a board mix. Mm-hmm. Um, and as soon as speaker technology got s- really good and turned into um, basically like flown near fields, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. for me, um, everything t- turned into what you're describing, where my mix is I do separate out. There is a a different group. Don't let me get this wrong. You know, don't, don't get me wrong. There is a different group than my master bus that's going to the PA that is kind of a little bit more overly mastered. I'd say um, where I use tools like an L2 uh, in order to just kind of clip off the, the, um, the very top of, of the stuff and get my mix right up to right before clipping, you know, which is the broadcast way. Um, but besides that, the overall sound of the mix, there's not different sourced components to get to that point. It's basically my left and right that is then turned into another bus that's a little bit more mastered and then sent. Um, and so like you, I spend a bunch of time um, making sure that, um, you know, I call it record quality with impact. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking for something that I, what's coming out of my mix bus is literally, if I were in a recording studio, it would be that, um, and maybe just a little bit more impact, like, you know, a little overemphasized, uh, low end maybe, um, just because, you know, everybody that comes to a live show wants to feel a little bit more than they would maybe with a record. Um, but honestly, I am, um, my career has kind of come full circle because, um, I am, I started as a recording engineer in front of Nearfields and here I am as a live sound engineer, recreating that same kind of environment, um, where the only thing that changes that is the actual acoustic environment. But -hmm. what's coming out of my console is most definitely just as if I were in a recording studio. So if you're not doing that, if you are a guy that has a board mix who is then trying to translate that into a broadcast mix, I think that's where you're making a mistake. I think that during this time period in COVID, you should reverse engineer it and you should spend time in front of near fields and get that mix to be a record quality mix. And then you will find when COVID's over that your stuff coming out of your PA is going to be a lot better, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, absolutely. And, and, you know, for me, uh, it's a goal that I have to where I, and again, it's in theory, I shouldn't have to change anything between the two. In practice, 
I absolutely will. In other words, particularly if we start, like if I start a tour and it's promo and, and it is one of those, now not every artist, you know, this thing that, that where we do, where I drag my console and my rack and all my shit into all these award shows, that's, that's not commonplace at all. And I don't want anyone to think that it is, but a few acts will do that. And we happen to be one of them. But um, uh, if we go through that process and then once that process is over, once we have started tour, depending on how much someone else is listening to that mix, if, if it's not much, the mix will start to drift and become more board mixy. You know what I mean? And a lot of times in those, like you said, in those environments, you mentioned the environments in those loud rooms, you will need things like more transient response in your mix to make it trans. You need transients to create clarity, you know? And so then you'll get into this thing where suddenly you're very well balanced uh, broadcast or studio mix, whatever your mix, your just general good mix. If you were to listen to a board tape, then maybe the vocals are a little loud or the drums are a little loud. Like th- those are things that will happen that will happen inherently if you don't kind of tend to it, you know what yeah. I mean? It'll drift more towards live. So for me, it's a theory and it's a goal, but it kind of, once we get on tour, it depends on how much people are still listening and what I'm doing in the playback part of the day to like, we've talked about, you know, kind of that herding cats, bringing everything back home, keeping it, keeping it in one place. So there, there are certain things you can get away you that, that live you have to employ uh, that you maybe don't in a broadcast type thing. Yeah. But I will, I, I will say my philosophy is if the environment is changing the way that your mix sounds, I don't change my mix. I change speaker processor things. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, just it's the way that my brain works. I don't know why, but it's like I am always trying to achieve that broadcast mix anyway. Like when people start talking about, um, you know, having two different kinds of mixes going on, one to broadcast and one for front of house, it gets confusing to me. Like, I don't see a reason for that. I, I try my best to not do that, to have a broadcast mix, you know, um, uh, available at all times. Um, and people that do the, uh, you used to see this a lot back in the analog days where they'd have like, I mean, you still see it now where people have like a record bus, let's say that that record bus could double as their broadcast feed. It's like all made off of like auxins and that kind of stuff like that. I just, I don't have the wherewithal to keep track of where (laughs) that is. You know what I mean? Like I really want to (laughs) know, I just want one goddamn mix. And I'm like, it's on the final output stage that I might do something like you said, like some limiting something to raise it to a competitive level. Yeah. Um, that, but that. I will I will say though, um, having said that, I have in the past created a record bus mix that then has the ability to have a mix plus or a mix minus. Oh yeah, of whatever. Um, you know, I've worked with a lot of artists that, for whatever reason, we don't agree on a particular instrument. Yep. And it, it's volume in, you know, how it sounds in the room, which the artist never gets to hear it in the room. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So they have to trust you in order to, you know, to to work with me and, and trust me that, hey, I think that this particular keyboard should be where I've sat it in the mix. But they keep listening to board mixes and they keep nailing you with, you know, that keyboard's got to get turned up, got to get turned up, got to get turned up. Um, I mean, the way that I have been around that for record mix, not broadcast, this is a board mix that's going to the artist, um, is create a mix plus or a mix minus. Um, and those are usually the only situations where, um, I've done that, you know what I mean? Where I've, I've actually had to create a second kind of a mix where it Mm -hmm. is mostly my mix, except for that one keyboard. Now I've put it, I've taken it out of the one record mix and and placed it in uh, another path to get to that right. same mix but 3db hotter right um, yeah it's usually those type movements when you have to do that you know it's usually like the three 3db is just 3db is a magic 3db is a is a difference that everyone's gonna hear yes. not to some drastic extent but they will anyone like if you if you you're doing some sort of situation you're running monitors for someone or you're they're monitoring off what you're doing 
if they say up or down, if you go three, they're, they're going to give you the, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, so, totally. And I, and I have to, again, all of these things that I'm saying are more just like theories, beliefs, principles. But if reality dictates that you have that, that other bus made to accomplish something, then do it. And I would encourage everyone to have some sort of mix minus vocals type yeah, scenario. Yeah. Have that ready. Um, do you and, ever do, um, audience mics mix into a, a board mix situation? Yeah. Now if for most for broadcast, I only send broadcast when, again, if it's a client that I do that most of the time for most people with broadcast for you guys that don't know, most of the time, the way it works is we, we go sit, we are representatives of the client. We go to one of two, if not both places front of house in the broadcast environment if it's like an award show and then the broadcast truck and then we uh consult with the engineer it represent we, we represent the artist they represent the show and the two worlds in theory meet together and everyone rides off into the sunset with a successful mix um that is or is not always the case but and that is that you know that's that that's an art man that if there's if there's one thing i'm really proud of is like learning how to do that dance because that is a very that is exhausting that is an exhausting Just thing. The exhausting part, meaning dealing with all of the people in that chain. Is that what you're talking about? With the people in the chain and like doing it the right way and getting the results you need without, without stepping on egos, without stepping on egos, but with still with also though, without like bending over and being like, oh, that's okay when it's not right, you know, and no, right. uh, so uh, I, I, I think that people need to understand, listen, there are excellent broadcast mixers out there. And there are guys um, that I would absolutely hand a split of my snake in a second and know that um, the, the result is um, going to be good. What gets a little bit sticky is if you have an artist that is heavily relying on effects or heavily relying on uh, big mix changes in the middle of a song. We're now talking about a, a very excellent broadcast mixer that doesn't know the song well enough in Nor order. They, and in their defense, they don't have the, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, they no have, go ahead. They don't have the time. No, that's they don't right. Have time to know it like we do. That's right. Know? Um, I mean, I've shown up to a bunch of places with guys that I absolutely a hundred percent trust. Um, you know, Jay Vicari is one of the best broadcast mixers in the world and an um, awesome dude and a, an incredible guy. Um, I would hand my snake to that dude, um, and know that the result is going to be amazing, but it, to his credit, he is also the guy that says, Hey man, you got to tell me if there's all these kind of changes or whatever, we need to work that out. He's the guy that, that wants to know and is very communicative about that. And that's part of what makes him good. Um, because there are other broadcast guys where you hand them the snake and you, they don't want to hear a word from you. Right. Um, and you know that the result is just not going to be good because they don't, how is it possible something that you have just worked on for the last 12 months and refined. You have your mix so refined, you work on it every single day, making sure that all the effects are correct and that the changes happen and that the solos are exactly the right volumes and happen at the right stereo imaging. How the hell is a broadcast guy gonna come even close to that in the limited amount of time that he is, um, that he's going to have with just inputs. It's just not going to happen. Right. Um, and it's, so it's that's fun. always kind of my sell to an artist is that, Hey, listen, you know, if you dig what's going on with my board mix, you've been listening to it for the last six months, you've, you've kept wanting examples of what my mix is sounding like. If you like that and you think it is good enough for broadcast, that is the road we should take because you're gonna run into situations where the result of a broadcast mixer, despite him being a good broadcast mixer, is not gonna be as good as this. And you know, there's a, you know, I, I'm fortunate, God, particularly as much pop as I've done, um, I know all the mixers now. Yeah, me I too. Know, I know, you know what I mean? Like I know all the broadcast guys, I know all the front of house guys, I know how to work with all of them. I know who's gonna get an outstanding result, who's gonna get a pretty good result, who needs more input, who doesn't. And then there's the whole, 
you know, at this put at this point for me, pretty much with all of them, if there are big, if there's you know delay throws or effects or this or that, you know, th- they'll just let me do it. Yes, you know, they'll yeah, just yeah. be like, those are your four faders, or we're going to do it together, and that's really difficult too. That's tough, man. Um, I mean, it's great. What a wonderful problem to have, particularly in this world where you always hear like, oh, yeah, you don't touch the mix. Well, if you know the guys well enough and you're a decent enough human being, yeah, you do. You know, you you get those faders. Yeah. But that's tough, too, because it's kind of like steering with someone, you know? I know. If I, if I want to go four, but they want to go, how do I know they don't want? You just have to trust that, you just have to be like, you know what? They've trusted me enough to be in this position. And I know I might be the only guy today that's putting his hands on this console. They trust me. So make the moves I feel I should. And every time I try to second guess those, like, I really feel it needs to go here. I'm not sure that's where they want it to go. They're always like, no, 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 do it, do it. And you just just got to do it, you know? Um, I think it's important that we point out we're talking about situations where you're showing up to a broadcast in a festival or like a TV show, let's say. Yeah, Um, more TV show type stuff. Yeah, more TV show. Um, Those situations are, you know, we've talked about this before. This is not about you being the best mixer in the world. This is about you getting along with people. Mm -hmm. And if you can walk into a room and not be a dick and still get what you need, that's a, that is a skill um, that you need to work on just as much as you need to work on your ability as a mixer, your ability to walk into a room full of guys. And it's a room full of egos. I'm telling you, it's not just the sound guys that are in that room. There's video dudes. There's the playback guy. There's, you know, all these kind of people that are sitting there at this TV show. The executive producer is oftentimes sitting in the audio room and you, if you come in there guns blazing, those guys are going to shut down immediately. Oh, absolutely. One of my favorite things, I would say if I could impart any, and there was a question that led us onto this tangent originally, and I know I didn't answer it, but I'm glad we've gone down this path. <laughs> if there is any, I'll tell you what my favorite tactic in the world is. Uh, when I go in, whether I'm consulting with a front of house guy within the arena at like an award show broadcast type scenario, Again, these are these are times where Pooch and I can't be at our we're not at our console. Our desk isn't there, you know. Or if I'm in the the broadcast truck itself, that first pass, I rarely say shit. Because you know what? It's totally. the first fucking pass. Who's gonna nail it? Like they're getting gain structure, they're getting they're really good. Those guys are really good about having a very systematic way of dealing with their gain structure so that it pops up the same every time, but like no one's going to have, and I see people I've been in there with MD. I've been in broadcast situations so many times with MDs in the past, and I won't let this happen anymore where they just show their ass so bad. They go in and they're freaking out after the first pass and they're just given a million notes. And it's like no mixer on earth could have just nailed that first pass. And no mixer on earth is going to listen to your 200 fucking things right like, i'm i'm on. trying to stay afloat and you're poking holes in my boat dude right. like i you know what just let me get my shit together and once we get through two more passes of this i promise you it's going to be right. good so that's right. it's a great point it's really yeah really and know how many pat know that you're probably going to get depending on who you are probably three passes is probably safe this or that and if it's if you're lucky, you might be able to go back and consult later on the mix, but just know where you are in the process. And it, what now by that third pass, if some of my wishes after the second pass haven't quite happened, been addressed, then, yeah. then, then we're going to, we're going to talk about it. Absolutely. You know I mean? Then that is the appropriate time to bring it up. And that is exactly what you were saying earlier about not being the, oh, I guess it's okay. You know, right. I, we, Definitely. I'm telling you in the end, we get what we need, but it's the way that you go about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, going in guns blazing at first is not the way to do it. Um, no. you know, um, but expressing yourself and getting what you need properly by not being a dick, having a discussion with a, a obviously listen, that guy that mixes the tonight show, is there for a reason and he's there for a reason because he's a good mixer and he knows what to do and you should speak to him as if you're talking to a colleague 
mm-hmm. about audio. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Don't be the guy that's standing. And I've seen it happen too with MDs and with managers. I've seen managers just destroy a mixer and for no good reason. There's like, dude, right. really? Like I have literally, I have had a manager walk out of the room and just looked at the dude and been like, I am so sorry. Oh, many times have I done that. Like, I don't know what to say to you, dude. Uh, you know, uh, let me try to help you to get what I think he wants is what right. I say to them. Or, or when they leave the room, they're just yeah. like, oh, man, sorry, bear with me. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of circle back around. And I, I remember what the original question was, is do I build mixes with, um, with audience mics in them? Uh, for, for those. Oh, right. Yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> now keep, yeah. That, Cause I knew there was a point. I remember it was a really good one. Um, uh, the question was really good. So you got to remember, like, let's say, let's say it's a broadcast scenario where usually there would be a broadcast mixer, but, but you are, like you said, in your situation, you're like, look, let's do it ourselves. Or the artist says, no, let's do it ourselves. If it were in the hands of just the broadcast mixer, it depends on where you are in the world. In the U S times out of 10, the broadcast mixer is mixing just the music. It's fed to a production truck, which adds in the audience to that. Now the broadcast mixer can then choose to monitor just the music or he can flip and listen to the feed coming from the production truck, which you do need to know what's happening because that all that crowd, all that ambience will drag. It's it's just the same as that open vocal mic waving around. It's the the clarity and the immediacy of your mix will begin will fade some, but it's also what creates that super exciting sound. And that's you mentioned executive producers. It's always the directors. They're not audio guys. Right. They're TV guys. They're selling a product. They want excitement. They're the ones that are driving the. You know, they want that sound. Now, in in like overseas and pretty much everywhere overseas, a lot of times it is the broadcast mixer who's also doing audience. the doing the audience. You know, so so keep that in mind. When I build my mixes that are gonna be that are gonna end up being a broadcast, well, it's my mix. Like I was saying, you know, it's gonna be it's also gonna be my tour mix eventually. Um for the broadcast mix, it's dry you know, but, uh, I do. And I realize we're kind of going back and forth from like broadcast to record mix here or like, no, I think, I think it's important. I think that we need to kind of rein it in here because most people watching this are going to want to know about what's happening right now, which is how do I get my front of house mix to sound like a broadcast? Then I'll, then I'll, then I won't even go into what I do on the, like the, the, uh, for like a board mix type thing, you know? Um, but, uh, so yeah, mine, mine's usually dry. Now I have done video feeds. If I, if I have to do it though, if I am asked to do it, I, I do have a way of doing it. Um, what do you do? as far as, yeah. So like if you were to, so basically what I do is I'll have, if it's our audience mics, there's usually, God, I don't know. What do I usually do? It's usually, I'm thinking about all the different tours I'm trying to average for this answer. Let's say there are six to eight mics. This is usually my kind of default thing. So I'll know if an artist wants more, but I'll usually have six to eight mics that are just spread across the front in whatever the front means. If it's a flat stage, cool. You get it. If it's like some weird shit with a, B and C stages, you got to get creative. And then those create a plane of, and let's hope that those are all in the same plane, right? I treat those are one group. Then I'll put out at front of house. I usually do. I've gone, I've done a number of things over the years where I've used, uh, you know, cardioid, hypercardioid, all kinds of different patterns. But really what tends to make a really exciting, super live sound is here lately. I'll do them in Omni where I'll have a spaced pair of Omni mics out at front. Um, and the way I do the busing is, let me make sure I say this correctly. The timing is, all of those audience mics that are in the one plane, they get, are they delayed? Hold on, let me think about this. There's the board, there's the mix. Yes. Let's say just mix, the mix, the mix. I know what that time is to the, so here's the stage. To the PA, yeah. Right, here's me and my audience pair out here. The mix itself gets delayed. I keep like my smart reference mic with those mics. Right. That's how I get the time. I delay the dry mix to these. 
so that it matches up in time. I also, that plane of audience mics across the front, I also delay those back. That's how I do it. Now you'll find a lot of guys speaking of the broadcast, they'll have 24 mics hung from everywhere. And some of the best guys in the business, they don't delay anything. The lack of delay is what creates the spaciousness and the slap and that sort of feel. So that's just how I do it though, is there's the, there's the plane on the stage, which I, I consider to be in time with the music. Those move back to the Omni, whatever it might be, uh, or cardioids, whatever my deal is out front. And I might have four out front. I think on, uh, in the stadiums, a lot of times I'll have like two omnis and then I'll have two shotguns, like pointing up to the upper reaches or something crazy. Those are all in the same time domain. So that's, that's, that's I, exactly, that's exactly what I do. Um, I use a few more shotgun mics than you do because I like, um, out front, you mean? No, uh, I have them on the stage and out front. Um, uh, yeah, I do. I didn't really. The ones on the front are often, at least on the corners, there's often shotguns there for sure. So I like what how a shotgun mic sounds in an overall DVD mix, let's just say, uh, yeah. where every once in a while it's pointed at somebody that's like really yelling and you have that one guy that's kind of like in in the ambient part of that obviously having a really great time now if that guy is constantly making noise it's like the worst thing in the world to try to get rid of him but in general pointing at a shotgun mic at a at a section in the seats off to the side to me feels when it's put right into a mix it feels more real somehow i agree Um, so um, I do, uh, the same thing you do. I do, um, usually six microphones, um, two shotguns on the outside two uh, hypercardioid facing kind of the front rows, uh, and then two shotguns in the center that are really tight, like into the first, I don't know, five or six rows. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I do the same thing. I line all that up as a plane and that gets, you know, delayed back to the board mix at front of house. Um, I don't use Omnis. I'm going to check that out. I haven't tried that. It's, and that's a new thing that it's something I've just drifted to lately. Cool. It's just because it kind of gets more of the, you know, between it can, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, with, um, how do you high pass where and how, or how do you treat those tonally? Uh, so I high pass them up quite a bit, um, mm. not to the record, to the record, their full range. Right. Um, but anything coming back that I'm being used, get high passed. I mean, you know, sometimes to like 400, you know, yeah, I'll go above for like the ones on the front and particularly cause you got to remember, uh, they're oftentimes placed very near subs. Totally. Uh, front fills and you know there's a there's a really delicate dance and what you what you want is some height on them so that you don't just have six individual sources you know but but that's not always scenically uh approved it's <laughs> yes. not, it's sometimes it's just a, the execution is just not there but so for the for the for the high passing you got to remember it's not just to you know, we're, we're, the mics are going this way with a speaker here. It's, it's not, you, you're not getting anything useful out of those speakers that are near it. So you're kind of just cleaning up the muck. That's true. You know? Um, yeah, so absolutely. Yeah, the ones across the front, I'll high pass those up there anywhere from anywhere where the general low end is gone. Any oomph is gone. Um, and then those all go into the audience group. And then that group gets EQ'd even more. And then the front of house mics, they sometimes they'll have a little more low end in them. Me because, too. I you do know that what I mean? too. And it makes sense because they're pointing at the speakers. It's a representation of what you're doing. So those will have more, but you don't want them to be all woofed out. And then, but those go into that audience group. So individually, I treat them. Uh, and then once they all sum together, I get that and I treat it. And with panning, I'm guessing this is what I do. The ones to the furthest are here. And as they move in, that helped you. Again, we've never spoken about this, but I would imagine that's what a lot of people probably do. You know, yeah, I have done a, uh, side chain of my band bus that ducks, right. Um, that ducks, uh, the, um, the audience mics. And so therefore I don't have to worry about, 
um, in between songs, like trying to mix the audience into that broadcast. Um, So uh, the reason I say it comes from the band bus is you don't want your audience to duck when the guy or girl is talking to the audience, right? Mm -hmm. So in between songs, you want that audience to be in there, even when the vocalist is like, hey, welcome, you guys having a good time, you know, whatever. If you set that thing up where it is a side chain coming off of your master bus, it'll sound really freaky because it'll be ducking the audience every time that the vocalist says something. Right. So I always, uh, the way that I've set it up before is ducking from the band bus. So whenever there's anything coming down the band bus, even if it's a guitar intro or whatever, um, the ducker, it's not a quick duck. It's kind of a slow, you know, make it go away. Um, the release time of it is a lot quicker because you want, when the song ends, you want it to, you know, get huge. Yeah. Right. Um, and I've messed around with that a lot. It's not the best case scenario. I, I think that any time that you do that to a broadcast mix, it, it's way better if there is someone else making decisions. Yeah, monitoring and making decisions about when an audience happens. And that's what I hate about having to do it myself if I have to also actively mix the show. Yeah, that's because, crazy. You know, is just there's you're not going to monitor it. You're also not going to hear it in cans. As you can try, and I've tried. I've that. tried. I've tried. Yeah, you, you can't you can't really do it. So, um, but but that's how I'd ha- handle audience. You know, nowadays, and I mean literal nowadays, COVID days. <laughs> you don't there. have to worry about that. There's no audience to mix in. <laughs> you don't have to worry about it. But kind of coming back full circle, what we're saying here is just building a mix that's just it's a mix. You know, it's not a live sound mix where it's all kick drum and vocal and everything else is buried. You know, it's just. Absolutely. I think if you are trying to, if you are the front of house mixer of a church, for example, and there is always, um, you know, you've never had to worry about the broadcast for whatever reason. And now all of a sudden you're worried about the broadcast. My mindset would shift. Like I would say, okay, I don't have to worry about the front of house mix at all anymore. All I'm worried about is creating the best mix that's getting streamed. Um, and, and so now I am concerned about what the, the, uh, end game of where that mix is going to get played on, which is, you know, shitty TV, um, you know, not the greatest consumer speakers in the world, you know, so, um, I would be paying attention to those kind of things where the end result of where your mix is going, also, I will tell you, um, I spent um, a, an entire year working on a Nickelodeon TV show um, where um, we would spend hours. It was a TV show that had a, a, a live band in it um, and uh, awesome musicians like uh, Abe Laboreal Jr. was the drummer. Um, and. Um, we would spend hours and, and actually, uh, the console for broadcast was a Neve 8078. So it was like, we cared about what it sounded like. And then we would tune in on Thursdays when it got broadcast and it would sound horrible. And we would go, what is happening? And it literally took us months to figure out that there was some dude on in Chicago that when we were sending our broadcast up to the bird and back down, he was then taking, you know, two 1176s and just going and making it to where there was just no dynamics left at all. Um, He thought he was helping um, and sent it back up to another bird that another guy on the other end was doing crazy compression to. And so by the time it went up and down twice, and then got broadcast to affiliates, it was destroyed. So the reason I tell you that story is if you're a church mixer right now, you need to go pay attention to what um, medium it's being broadcast on. Like for instance, I don't know if you guys can hear it, but we are using Zoom right now to do this, um, you know, record this video on, and their audio is pretty horrible. 
Like yeah. um, what they do to audio, just even us talking, sometimes I just go, oh man, this is really bad bit mm-hmm. compression. It's it's really just awful. Uh, just bit crunching, you know, because they're trying to get the lowest amount of bandwidth um, uh, and, and produce, you know, produce the highest quality with the lowest amount of bandwidth. So the way to do that is bit crunching. Um, and it just turns, sh- you know, if you guys listen to XM or Sirius radio, that's called bit crunching. It's horrible. Um, what they do to audio is a crime in my opinion. Um, <laughs> no, it's wrong. true, man. I mean, if you listen uh, to Sirius, it's, it's like, sorry, Sirius, but I mean, what you guys are doing to audio is like, I, I listen in my car and just, I have to turn it off cause it's awful. Um, but that's, what's happening, unfortunately, in some of these broadcast scenarios. So if you are a broadcast minister for a church right now and are in a situation where that's where every person is hearing the mix is from your broadcast, you need to listen to the end result. You need to go and get a stream of it and be and be able to listen to the end result of that just like what we talked about with the broadcast mixer where he's able to hear the production truck in the same way you should listen to a streamed version of what you're putting out there because mm-hmm. it'll make it'll make you make decisions um in your mix to try to help you um I think a lot of the things that people will find in, in doing that, and I can tell you when we build, when I build these, uh, when I build broadcast mixes, I'm oftentimes, I'm referencing on, I mean, I'm bouncing mixes and I'm referencing on a laptop and I'm referencing on a phone because I'm trying, I mean, that's both worst, worst case scenario are rear firing, firing speakers on flat screen TVs, which all TVs are flat screen TVs now. That sucks. But, um, you know, as far as like teeny, the teeny tiniest drivers you're going to find, it's AirPods. It's, it's my totally. phone. It's, so I reference on those things continually. And here's the interesting thing. Again, coming back around to this point, I reference my mix that I go do in a stadium with 200 speakers. I also reference on this fucking thing right here, yeah. you know? And you do, and what I think, what if you? I think you have to, you have to, because you know it's the end user, right? It's like it's where it's going to end up, so you need to, you know, pay attention. You're right, and what you're, what people will find is the things that are going to help you the most to help it translate are going to be things like we talk a lot about saturation, harmonic distortion, and all these things here. But there's a reason we harp on it. If you can generate where your mix is going to be anemic, is is in the low end. You know, because there is, there is no low end out of this. So you need to create the perception. You need to work on, work with how the ear perceives things and how the ear fills in gaps in what's not there sonically by embracing harmonic distortion and embracing the power of upper order, higher order harmonics generated from lower order sources. Totally. Um, You know, know, another thing, just sorry to interrupt you, but another thing to point out is the consumer audio things like iPhones and phones and, you know, smaller speakers, uh, your Bose speakers and your, um, you know, uh, Dr. Dre headset and, uh, you know, all those kind of things are always, always super hyped, overemphasized in all kinds of frequencies, mostly in high end. Like if you listen to just uh, a mix through your uh an iphone it's not just that the small speaker can't reproduce the low end it's that it has some sort of eq somewhere hyping the high end in it even more and making all the sparkly bits be like over emphasized um and i think part of that is uh they do that because they want intelligibility for speech and you know all those kind of things um but um you need to know what's happening to your mix when it gets sent to overhyped stuff. Right. Um, so right. pay attention just like you do. I, you know, just like I did ear training when I was a young engineer, I would spend a bunch of time sitting in front of music with a third octave EQ and learning frequencies. That's I did honestly, that. I had, I had a 10 band, Yamaha consumer home stereo EQ. That was one of the, my first forays into mixing as I learned, oh, when I turn that 2K thing up, the guitars get bigger and 4K was vocal and 8, you know, 16K was, yep. you, 
Oh, 250. That's the mud. Right. All those. And I, yeah. Sorry. I just got excited. No, no. I, I mean, it's true. I think that, I think that every young engineer, they should do that because that you need to train your ears to get to the point where you need to be at a place where when something is wrong, you know, immediately what frequency range it is. You know, you don't have to know that it's 4.12, but you have to know that it is 4k, right? Right. It's somewhere around 4K. There's something bad going on. And the only way to do that is to train yourself to get in, in EQ and learn those frequencies. Um, but but just like that, I'm saying I did that as a young engineer. I also spend time with some of these newer products like on an iPhone. I take mixes on purpose and put the wave file on my phone and listen to it because I want to know the end result of what's happening you know, when I, when I, uh, end up giving an artist, because you know, every artist in the world is going to listen to any board mix you give them on this. Mm -hmm. They are not going to plug it into something with amazing near fields. Yeah. Never. Or is that going to happen? And a lot of times too, you know, the artist wants, they want an MP3, uh, and they, and and (laughs) just think, just dumb it down. Cause that's, that's, if you can make it translate those ways, then you're in best. I can tell you that before that I mentioned, uh, was it this? No, it was last video. I was talking about fucking up on the, at SNL and doing a, the dress rehearsal with the console and listen to copy. Yeah. Audio. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Blah, 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 blah. All those mixes that were made, they were all the actual final vetting for are these mixes are, are these mixes good was done as how do they sound on I'm pointing at my laptop right now. How do they sound through this laptop in my lap? Specifically, can I hear the bass, all the notes, every single That's right. That's right. Can I feel the kick? And just for reference, if you guys go just look on YouTube, find that SNL uh, Saturday night live Bruno Mars from 2016 that we did and or anything from 16 and 17 that we did TV wise, you can hear, I'm really proud of it. You can hear the bass, you can hear the kick and I didn't change any of it. Once we got on tour, if anything, it just, and this is coming back to your point, Pooch earlier, you know, now's the time, like learn these tricks now and it will make your front of house mix even better. It totally will. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is the time when you guys should be putting your stuff under a microscope. Um, you know, I think that a lot of guys who are front of house mixers are super meat and potatoes. They're like, okay, yeah, I can hear the vocal. I can hear the guitars. I can hear this. I can do whatever. But when Mm -hmm. it comes to the detail, that's where they lack. Like they can't get the detail part of that. Well, take this time where you're sitting in front of really close speakers or a pair of headphones and figure out what it's going to take from your perspective on making uh, a, a broadcast mix, taking that mix that you've spent all this time getting all the details right to big speakers is only going to make it better. Right. Uh, one thing I wanted to address real quick, I thought about, you were talking about, you know, the end result and, or your, the TV show you guys did that was then just getting murdered further downstream. Yeah. And, you know, you got to remember, depending on what the broadcast is, there are, there are a million different levels of processing it could hit from the, if it was, we're doing just old school TV from the local TV station to the national affiliate to the, I mean, there's a million, if it's on the internet, what's the, what platform is it streaming? That's right. So many variables. One thing that I did recently was we kind of, and you said you were doing it oftentimes where you've got like an L2 or some limiter. We were kind of pre Mars barring the, the signal to where, I mean, I, what I would be sending a lot of times would be pretty fucking hammered. Yep. So that I know to it could, keep the keep it out of their stuff. Yeah. To keep it out of their stuff and to know that if it if it can if it can still retain impact as it's smushed, it it stands a better chance. If you've got a super loose mix that might sound great live because it's so dynamic, yeah. you know what those varying stages are going to do to it. The problem we ran into with that, um and a lot of times I'll say we in these scenarios, because it's if like with Bruno, for instance, I'm working with my buddy, Charles Monez, who's Bruno's studio engineer. And he's, we're, we're doing it in conjunction with one another. And in, and in those scenarios, you know, Bruno's producing the mix. So the one thing we found with, if you go too aggressive on like, well, I'm just going to give him this thing with no dynamic range so that I'm sure it will survive. If it's, how do I say this? If it's too squished, 
they might be looking for a target peak level that it might be too loud for them and what totally. you they won't turn it up to match that peak because it will be too loud. And so what you'll end up doing is screwing. Is that making sense? No, absolutely. It yeah. is. Yeah. There's because let's say it's a TV show and those TV mixers, they've got a fairly dynamic mix, but they're able to monitor back and hear what it, what it sounds like. And their peaks are up here where if I'm coming in with, this is it. And my peaks are here and here's the RMS where my thumb, I'm now louder than that. And, the, and they'll turn you down. So you got to kind of find, you got to kind of find a sweet spot there, but I would suggest kind of pre squishing it some on your own to better survive what's coming. Cause you really don't know what's coming a lot of times. Now in this day and age of where you're, you are so focused on just the broadcast, like, you know, in, in COVID times and, and maybe not having to worry about front of house, there are a bunch of plugins that will help you in the broadcast way. Um, you know, waves makes a couple, um, I wish I could remember the name of the plugin, but it shows you the DFS level of the WLM, right? Yeah. Uh, is that it? WLM waves loudness meter that has the, it has like luffs and it has the, yeah, that's it. That's it. That's it. Yeah. I think, I think that's the one. I think that's the one. Yeah. Well, anyway, there are a couple look, look online. I feel horrible that I can't remember the names of them. I, what you want me to remember all 142 waves plugins. Come on. Yeah. No, um, you're somewhere uh, in the right. Ballpark. <laughs> anyway, there, there are broadcast plugins, um, not only waves, but other people make them, um, that you should explore during this time period. Cause uh, you know, no other time period as a front of house guy, are you ever going to have to deal with those plugins, but start looking at those cause they will help you in what you're describing. So if you are getting a result where you feel like you're putting out a left and a right that, you know, Hey, I've got it properly squashed, whatever. And whatever the medium is that the church or whoever, whatever you're using is, you know, taking that signal and just destroying it. Um, and what you listen to in recordings and what you listen to in the live stream coming back at you, um, is destroyed. Those particular plugins will help you to get that and eliminate the thing that Chris was just talking about. Right. Uh, something else, I love this topic. Like things just keep coming up. You're gonna have to stop me, but, uh, no, keep going. When you're talking about if you're creating stems, for this, let's say you're sending, let's say you've got a church and the situation is where you don't just send them a two mix, you do send stems, right? And you send, I don't know who you're sending these stems to, but you're sending stems to somebody who, and then they in turn do it and they encode it and stripe, put, they put it on the video, this and that. Make sure those stems are fully representative of what you want the end result to be. Think about what those stems are, meaning if you are monitoring with this master bus chain of plugins or hardware, whatever it is, where those stems sum to those, that sound no longer means shit if, as these stems are sent off by themselves. Because totally. Not, so make sure you know, you know, stems can... The broken, the broken apart of it is... Yeah. If you break it all out into stems, the individual parts of those stems are not at the full kind of volume of the culmination and, of all of it. Right. And they're not moving in conjunction with that stereo bus processing. So having stems is great, but just be mindful of how they interact with each other in the final summing stages of your end result. Because if you're not in charge of the end end, end result, I, I don't know. Just, I think everybody's going to understand what I'm saying there. Just no, no, break, I think so. Yeah. Break yeah. it out. Just think about what you're doing there, you know? Yeah. Uh, and you have to, when you're in that situation, um, you have to trust the person that is going to end up with that. Like, don't just hand stems to a video guy. <laughs> um, right. You know, I mean, no offense, video guys, but um, oftentimes the end result of that is not very good. Um, you know, I too, just like with Bruno, when I did Lincoln park, I worked with their, um, engineer, his name's Ethan mates. Um, and he would come to shows and when he was at the shows in the broadcast truck, those are the shows that I wouldn't just send my left and right. I would send him stems because right. I, I trusted him, obviously, he's the recording engineer of their records, um, to take all of my stems and kind of blend them to be 
maybe in a better way that day. You know what I mean? Um, and, and a lot of times he would just say, just send me your left and right. It's great. You know? Yeah. Um, but, but there are situations where he's like, Oh, I don't know what this guy's doing over here. Like it doesn't sound right in the truck. Send me, send me stems. And so that I can have control, you know? Um, I know when, um, when Coldplay, Coldplay does this pretty elaborate stem thing with with live broadcast when they go to the when they do the award show deals or whatever it might be they they send a pretty elaborate set of stems i know kimberlake did a bunch of stems for a while um i have my console set up with with the sd7 it's always set up to do stems if i ever need to like i've got so many buses it's ridiculous and a lot of times i might not ever use them i might create this file and it roll for several years and i never use them or i use them once we talked about that a long time ago in a video how every time that i set up a console i set it up with it in mind that i'm gonna have to provide stems for every individual instrument right so all of my groups i have so many groups just like you um but the the if i set it up like that from the beginning i can give anybody anything like right. there could be any request and i can do it super fast super quickly oh you want the stage left guitar player but you don't want his clean tone here you go you know what i yep. mean it's like it's it's that fast and that's what makes you um an an excellent guy that can provide things quickly without you going oh um let me figure it out i think i can get that to you like people don't want to hear that what they want to hear is like yep no problem i can get that to you right even Um, if it's things like have like a vocal effects bus or something so if they need to separate the drive from the i mean there's just there's so many layers you can drive yourself crazy (laughs) yeah but i mean there are honestly there are a bunch of buses that are just sitting there going nowhere like they're double assigned you know what i mean so like basically they're not assigned to any output and not going to my master bus and not going to the record they're just sitting there for use in case someone wants a stem of it right like i am sending um, for instance, you know, I'll, I'll say like some guitars or something. Um, it's not like I usually send guitars to a guitar bus and then guitar bus to, um, the other three guitars into one bus, but that bus is there all along the way so that I could have pickoff points to give the guy what he wants, but it's just sitting there. It's like literally buried in my groups. Um, uh, so that I can just pull it up on the one day that the one guy asked for something in particular. Right. So, right. Yep. Cool. Hmm. Um, all right. Well, I think we're kind of coming up to the yeah, my end. My brain starting to smoke a little. I'm <laughs> thinking of more things, and then I'm also shutting down at the same time. So uh, I think we've done. I know this is going to be one of those because I have so many thoughts and feelings because I just happen to have so much experience in this, and I know you do too. And it is, it's an area that a lot of people just don't think they're ever going to find themselves in if they just got into this business as a live sound engineer. No, that's you know. true. I mean, this is it. It is. Um, it, it it is a different kind of thought process when you are building a mix from scratch for broadcast versus whatever you got going on normally. But I will say, just you know, back around to what we were talking about. I really feel like like I think like a broadcast guy, even when I'm mixing for live. If that makes any sense at all, so. Well, we're in a really wonderful place where we really can think as mixers now. Yes. What I mean? It's just a mixer, not a broadcast mixer, not a studio mixer, not a live mixer. We are all of those individual things. And because of that, we will do things inherently different. But by and large, just think about mixing music. You know what I mean? That's it. And coming up with the best result um, of all of that, you know, combined. Like I said, my goal in life in all of the mixes that I ever do, um, is, you know, record quality with impact. That's really what I, if you wanted me to describe what my goal is as a mixer, that's what I want to give a broadcast guy. That's what I want to produce up on the speakers. That's what I want to give to a board mix is record quality with impact. Um, so 
Anyway, thanks a lot, guys, for showing up, and um, we hope we uh, helped you out with this whole broadcast thing. Um, you know, I know that it's probably going to be a place uh, that you we are all going to find ourselves in uh, before this thing is over because uh, people will have to figure out a way to monetize smaller amounts of people getting together. And so the way to do that is to also have a broadcast version of whatever you've got going on. Um, so, um, you know, hone your skills. If you have any sort of availability to anything, I mean, like I said, Reaper is 40 bucks. Go buy Reaper, man, and spend time at home with any sort of virtual playback that you have um, and uh, hone your skills so that when you come out of this and are able to um, go back to a show, you have better idea of what you're going to do broadcast-wise. Um, any last words, Chris? Any last sage advice to all these guys that, that want to uh, want to have a good result? in broadcast no, no embrace it have fun you're going to be a better mixer on the other side of this i promise you yeah you absolutely know? absolutely all right guys thanks for tuning in um uh keep the questions coming um we will uh definitely do some more of the q a um and uh we're definitely uh coming up with more ideas for you for that episode 242 uh in uh <laughs> In, in October. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. See, See you, everybody.